Welcome to Bear Insider Podcast. We've got an exciting guest today, Rod Benson, former center with the, the Cal Bears, and he is going to be a regular contributor to Bear Insider with both podcasts and columns, and the podcast may also involve, or will also involve, former uh, voice of Cal basketball and the PA, Eddie Kleinhands, and post-game shows as well, so we're looking forward to that too. So, uh, Rod, welcome to, to Bear Insider. Welcome to our podcast. I, I gotta admit, I'm happy to be here. Uh, it's been cool tapping in with the Cal community over the last couple of years. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to uh, tap in even further. So you, you've developed uh, a bit of a fan base with some of your columns. You have a real unique style, and you you bring a unique flavor being a, a Cal basketball alum, and uh, people are always interested in what you have to say, and we, we love the idea of bringing your unique point of view to, to our website. Can you tell us a little bit about your background with Cal, first of all? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I gotta say, it's, it's kind of weird knowing people read that stuff, right? I mean, for me, I kind of write alone in a, in, a, in, a, in a dark room, and then all of a sudden there's Cal people being like, well, what do you think about this? And I'm like, why do you care? <laughs> I'm just sitting here. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, you know, I played four years, um, which is even a funny thing that, cause people always ask me that. And back then that wasn't a question. Um, uh, with Ben Braun, uh, Leon Poe, Richard Midgley, you know, we had a really, really good recruiting class, uh, if you include everyone except for me. And I essentially, you know, became like the crazy guy on the team. I don't know. I <laughs> It's funny because, like, it, none of it was actually crazy, but back then, anything that wasn't, you know, kind of high and tight and by the rules felt crazy. So just me even having, you know, kind of a different personality uh, <laughs> kind of became my thing. Uh, yeah, I graduated in 2006 and then played 12 years professionally and really disconnected from the school. And when I retired in 2018, I've been just trying to get back. I'm trying to see what everybody's talking about. What's the word on the streets with Cal basketball? Well, you kind of um, voiced Cal fans' extreme displeasure with the last coaching staff and where the pro program had devolved to. Um, you, know, you, you were part of a, a, a proud program back in your day, and to see it fall to where it did... It must have been kind of mind-boggling and really depressing for you as a, a former program member to see that. You know, I would say that in life, the things that depress you the most are the things you don't see coming. I wasn't depressed at all. <laughs> I was there. I, was, I went to practice in October, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> this doesn't look good. This is a problem. More than a, more than a problem, and... and you know, I wrote an article about it, and I really tried to take care. Now, mind you, editors toss in buzzwords, and they, they're a little more aggressive than I usually am. But my original, you know, argument wasn't saying Mark Fox is, you know, this or that. But it was very clear that the skills weren't there. And I don't mean the players weren't skilled or they couldn't um, get there. It's that they clearly weren't working on you know, the actual skills of the game. That, coupled with the spacing they were told, was so atrocious. I mean, I'm just watching from the sideline. For, in, in three plays, I was like, oh, they have no idea what the spacing is supposed to be. This is terrible spacing. 
nothing is going to work. And then I looked up and they were losing by 15 to Utah State. <laughs> like, and I was just like, oh, this is bad now. <laughs> really <laughs> this bad. Anymore. <laughs> so I wasn't shocked at all. I was just like, I guess this is what has happened. Yeah. Gosh. Well, we're uh, we're all really glad for the the change. And um, Mark Madsen wasn't somebody that was originally on too many Cal fans' radars. We put out a, a story listing about twenty guys who would make pretty solid candidates, and Madsen was one of them. But um, he wasn't one of the ones that people talked about a lot in the beginning. But people have quickly jumped on board the the Madsen train. Um, learning more about him, hearing him speak, seeing the moves that he's made since coming in and all the enthusiasm he's brought to the program. Have you had much exposure to to Madsen over the years? Man, I probably haven't seen him in person since maybe 2010. Uh, he was an assistant coach, I want to say. He might have been a head coach, I don't know, uh, for the Utah uh, D-League team. And at that time... I remember really liking him. I don't know. Like, there were these guys who had been, you know, NBA. I'm not going to call them legends, but, like, guys who played in the NBA either in such a way, won enough, whatever, where they're, like, they're not superstars, but they're big names. And, and Mark Madsen was one of those guys. Darvin Ham was another one of those guys back then. Who were young enough where they were, like, essentially kicked it with the players, but old enough where, like, we remembered them playing. And, uh... I remember getting that energy from Mark Madsen. So you're right. I, he wasn't on my radar at all. But when he was signed, I was like, that might work. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just off my memory of him, that might work. This guy at least understands the act like how basketball works. Now, in college, there's a lot more that goes into that. But the recruiting looks good so far. So I, I'm a little hyped. This might work. Yeah. That's uh, kind of the feeling of Cal fans, too. Well, um, he's obviously brought a lot of excitement with the commits from the portal that have um, have decided to, to come to Cal. And a big one was today, um, Jalen Tyson, a wing, small forward, uh, combo guard. You can call him a lot of different things from Texas Tech. 6'6", 6'7", 2'10", real strong, very balanced game, shoots well from the perimeter, over 40%, rebounds, 6.1 rebounds a game. That was eighth in the conference, um, which is great for a non-big. Uh, 1.4 steals a game, 1.3 assists a game. I mean, he, he does he does it all. He scored in double figures, 16 games. Um, can really put in the... The points at a high volume sometimes when needed, 27 points against West Virginia when he was 11-15 from the field. And um, I mean, have you had a chance to look a little bit at his films to get a, a film to get a handle on what Cal's getting in Tyson? Man, you, you would have think you just introduced King Joffy Joe for all those accolades. <laughs> <laughs> Man alive. <laughs> Kids out here balling. Uh, I did look at some film. It looks good, man. It's, it's hard for me. I need more time to, like, really correctly evaluate college talent. Because it, it's so different. It's such a different... I don't know. It's, it's a step down in terms of what I'm used to seeing at the pro level. So it's hard for me. What I can say is this. He looks long. He looks like he shoots with confidence. I like the rebounding numbers. Because he's a shooter, but he's somehow getting in the mix on defense. That says a lot to me. 
rated number 10 at his position and 34 overall. Both of those are significantly higher than I was ever rated, which is why I'm like, how do I even, what do I say? It looks good, man. Like, and that's, that's kind of the thing. Like, I, when I looked him up, I was like, wait, we're getting guys like this now? Because what I just saw last year was none of this. So this is exciting just, just on paper alone. We have a reason to turn on the TV. So Cal kicked things off with a really big signing with with uh, portal transfer forward um, uh, Fardar's IMOC. And that's a guy that, when he was healthy, averaged 19 points and 13 rebounds a game. Tell me about being a former center yourself, what it does for a team having a guy that both scores and rebounds at such a high level. Well, at the, at the college game, when you have a like a true big, and I watch this guy's tape too, when you have a true big, it does so much more anchoring because there isn't, especially on defense, um, there isn't defensive three in the key on one end, so guys gotta gotta work to get around him. Big guys take up so much space, uh, and then on the other end, you know what I was seeing is, you know, he's excellent at sealing and getting position. That's really ninety percent of the battle. I, people ask me all the time, "How do I get better at pickup?" And I'm like, "Just, just get on a treadmill, man. If you work harder, you'll look better." He for the, his frame, it looks like he works really hard. Actually, do you remember Omar Samhan? Yeah, I was. I was like, "Is this Omar Samhan?" It looks like a like a redo. And Omar was a really good college player, mm-hmm. uh, pretty good pro. I don't know if he's still playing. I, I really thought I was watching Samhan highlights. So again, another person. It's like that's exciting, right? Like when's the last time we had someone you could just dump the ball into who's going to make an efficient one dribble move and go up? I don't know. It's been a while for me. Yeah, and uh, he can also, you know, step out and pop from range too. How does that free up a center's game? Uh, being able to be versatile like that and and score in a lot of different ways. Well, that can be a that can be a, a gift or a curse. You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't see enough tape to know just how fast his footwork is, but generally, if you're shooting threes at that size, you know you can fall in love with that and not get down low. It's it's really you know when we're talking winning basketball at the team level, what you can do. And what works best for the fit of the team are two different things. So, you know, I don't mind either way, staying out or going in. But if you're going to do both, don't fall in love with the easier option at any given time or what you consider it to be, which is usually just jacking up a bunch of threes because the other team is playing a little defense. Yeah. Well, another exciting signing was one of the early ones, Jalen Cohn, uh, most recently out of northern Arizona. Um, he's a guy that was one of the top scorers in the nation out of North Carolina, and he had a lot of nice offers. He decided to go to Virginia Tech, and uh, he, he mentioned that his move over to northern Arizona was to be able to display a, a, a different area of his game that he didn't have the opportunity to do at, at Tech, and, and that's to be able to pick and pop and score in a lot of different ways. Um, so he's able to d- display his versatility in his game. And he's a guy that, man, he gets such elevation on his shots. So, you know, being, being a shorter 5'11 guard, a point guard, um, a lot of guys that size have trouble getting their shots off. But he has such a quick release and he gets such air under his jump shots that he's a tough block and he's a guy that looks like he can score in a lot of different ways. Did you get a chance to see him much at all? Uh, 
I I did see some film on him. It's it's actually funny, you know. He played high school with my dad. Wow. Uh, just, he's so I look. I was like, did he? He's out of high school in 2016. He's he's so old. <laughs> he's gonna be so good. <laughs> I was playing college basketball at 17. This man has like 10 years on. That there's importance to that though. Like when you get these older, like really veteran guys, like. You know, I, I haven't seen him up close. Like, in the film, I'm just seeing a guy make shots or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I have a feeling he's an up-close guy. Like, I, there's there's some nuance to his game as to how he gets that shot off beyond just having a high release, and I'd love to see it. Uh, it's one thing I've, I've learned over the years. When you have a guy that size, you know, he averaged 18 last year, but I think one of his years he averaged, like, 25 or something. Uh, uh, I think that might have been his last year of high school where okay. he was one of the leading scorers in the country, but he, he's definitely a scorer. Yeah, it looked like he just had big scoring numbers, and whenever you see a guy that small with that kind of scoring drive, there's an extra hitch in the in the hitch dribble. There's a, you know, a consistent inside out, or like, you know, there's, there's something that draws just enough space that confuses other people, and I'm really excited to see up close what that is for him. Yeah, well, his 41-inch vertical doesn't hurt either. <laughs> Can you imagine having a 41-inch vertical at your height? Yeah, his name was Devon Harden, and I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> did, did he have that kind of vert? I know he could get up there. What Devon had, like, a for real 40, 41, 42. I, I mean, I know that, so our standing reach was pretty similar. Like, mine was, like, 9, 1 and a half. Mm-hmm. It was, like, 9, 1. But I touched like twelve two, and he was like twelve nine. Wow! <laughs> it was like crazy. How do you stop that? Crazy. <laughs> That's why when I'm watching these last this last year's team, I'm like, they're small and they're like they're not jumping. Like, what happened? Where's where are the Devon Hart? <laughs> <laughs> not there, unfortunately. Well, the forty three percent from three is another thing that excites Cal fans because man, there just wasn't a lot of perimeter presence for the most part last year. So um, how, how does having multiple guys that can, can reliably hit from deep free up the offense? Yeah, I mean, obviously, tremendously, but I'll say with full confidence, if these same guys were playing last year's system, it would look like ass. <laughs> like it, and that's because the spacing was really bad, right? Yeah. The modern game, if we're going to talk about what shooters really do, is they space the floor, but if you... You know, they may have changed this throughout the course of the year, but when I was in uh, that practice last year, uh, the wings were stopping, you know, at the, what do you call that? I don't know, where the three-point line uh, goes from being curved to being uh, parallel to the to the sideline. Mm-hmm. They were stopping right at that uh, juncture on the wing instead of filling the corner. Okay. So every, every pass was like a four-foot-long pass. You're not going to have space to get a shot off. If you're going to play shooters, they have to get as deep into those corners as possible so that their defenders have to make choices. So that's what it can do. Will Mark Madsen do that? I believe so because he understands basketball. Yeah. Then um, there's got a couple of other combo guards. Um, Keontae Kennedy was the the most recent one. Um, He played at at Memphis last year, and he, he's out of UTEP originally. Um, he was a four-star guy coming out of high school and all district, and he's another guy that has a pretty 
pretty versatile game. His last season at, at UTEP, he averaged 14 points, 6.1 rebounds, 1.8 steals per game, and he, he shot in the high 30s from three, so another guy with good range. Uh, scoring was a little bit lower at Memphis last year, and his one year there they had more scoring options, so he didn't have the ball in his hands as much, and he didn't play as many minutes either. Um, but he's a guy that obviously does a lot of different things and can generate scoring, rebounding, assists uh, from the probably the two position most likely, most frequently. Um, do you have a chance to see his film at all? I have not seen his film. Uh, I'm picking up kind of a pattern, though, with a lot of these guys. Yeah, they're, they're very old, similar. They're, they're old, they're tall, and they can shoot. Right. And if you want to win in today's college game, I mean, there's a lot of factors that will go into this, but at least on paper, there's enough talent to be a tournament team. Yeah. Uh, what happens when you bring all these guys together? I don't know. I know this. Every team is in the same position now. There is no, we've built a culture anymore. It's like you transfer in that culture. It could be win now. I, I don't, I don't want to get people's hopes up. But I'm looking at all these guys. Like these guys look like they can play. Yeah. Including Kennedy. And then uh, the last piece so far, and there is one slot left, um, we've got Mike Meadows, who followed Shante Leggins, former Cal point guard from Eastern Washington over to Portland, and he's another double-digit scorer and another um, you know, high 30s from the perimeter guy, 6'2", 175, sixth-year senior. So another guy with a little little gray in his beard coming on, coming on board, too. So you have to figure... You know, leadership, savvy, court savvy, um, you know, probably a, a, a real strong will to win and prove himself at the highest level that he'll have played at. So, yeah. Obviously. Yeah. I, I was looking at his, his stuff, too. Uh, you know, he's, he's an older guy, too. I, I think he was, um, you know, he was best man in Jalen Cohn's wedding back in 1998. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one, the one your dad was an usher in? Yeah, they're all my age. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I, what I like about him is when I saw the film, he's very herky-jerky, and a lot of it, he shoots a decent percentage from the field for the type of shots he's taking. Now, it'll need to be reined in a little bit. I don't know if he's played with, like, a real big seven-footer that's going to be planted down there sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, but someone who can hit that herky-jerky nine-footer is a valuable weapon. Uh uh, again, all these, what's good about all these guys is they, they not only have experience, they, they have experience at scoring 11, 12, 13 points, which is a point total that is workable. You know, when you bring a bunch of guys together who score 20, that's, that's a lot more difficult. You might be getting more on paper, but somebody's going to have to make big sacrifices. This team is the team where the sacrifices feel like they might all just work out. Yeah. He's a guy that shoots 89% um, from the line, too, and and uh, Cal fans have seen way too many misses from the line, particularly from their guards and particularly from their point guard, who, who shot under 50%, I believe, all four years at Cal. So that's a that's a real plus, um, bringing reliability to the stripe, because... I can't make fun of those guys, man. I don't know, I don't know what my percentage is. Don't look it up, but I... <laughs> <laughs> 
So we talked a, a little bit about the uh, the NCAA word there, and the idea of going from a three-win team to an NCAA team in one season sounds almost preposterous, but when you look at the guys that they're bringing back, uh, the five they retained, um, the, the five who are now a part of this class, the two prep guys coming in, including 6'11", center Devin Curtis, and four-star... Um, combo guard Rodney Brown you have to think that with good coaching and a good system they do have the chance to shock the world and, and get back to the tournament for the first time since 2016 what, what does it take for a, a team to kind of put things together and, and get a chance at the show well, I'll tell you this when you, I, I've never had a coaching change in college as professional I have and so much of it is immediately establishing what we're trying to do. I think Mark Madsen is actually going to really, it's kind of good that they went 3 and 29 or whatever instead of 14 and 17, right? Yeah. At 14 and 17, there's enough good to hang on to that you have to make some tough choices. When you go 3 for 29, you can tell everybody, we're starting over. <laughs> You know, it's 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 and it's and it's gonna be different. I wouldn't take it as a shock. The college basketball today is not shocking anymore. If you get the right guys and you have a decent system, every team nowadays it's really about who can get it together the fastest. Uh, the national championship winner was UConn, who could not get it together early, but was ranked number one. And then eventually got it together. Like, there's enough pieces here that anything is possible. And I'm not going to rule it out. And, in fact, maybe I am putting a little pressure on, on, on Big Maddie, you know, Big Mad, because I think you can do it. So I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, man, we'll be cool if you win eight games. Like, double it. Like, nah, I was there when, like, Cal was 1-12 in, in football and the next year was 7-5 and five and, a, and went to a bowl game. It yeah. can be done. Let's let's. I believe it can be done. What do you think it takes for so many new pieces to come in and gel fairly quickly? I mean, a big part of that is who they actually recruited. You know, we looked at film. I don't know these people as people. Uh, you need the guys that are committed to your style. So, in an ideal world. First day, Mark Madsen says, we want to do X, Y, and Z. And the guys are like, yep, that's what I came here for. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully they're not like, oh, damn, I wanted to do A and B. Because like, that happens a ton in college. Yeah. <laughs> so let's hope they're all on the same page. Well, I've talked to each of these guys. And if you talk to them, I guarantee you, you'd be impressed. I, I get the feel that these guys are total team players hungry to win, and so many of them are connected to each other and coaches on staff in so many ways that they've got that that uh, immediate chemistry bond with at least some of their new teammates coming in right away. So that's got to be helpful, too. So it'll be... Yeah, really I mean, it's also got to be helpful that, like, I just feel like Cal is so hungry for something good that... Like what a what a treat to be in a position to offer that, yeah, right? Yeah, like that's part of the sell. Like you can't you can be more than a bat. You can kind of be a hero here, 
if we do this right. Let's go be heroes. And you've seen some times where Haas was really rocking in your days. And Man. You know how hard They literally, they, you know, there's all these like kind of breaks in the recruiting trip where coach is like, all right, we're going to go get some this or that. So I'm kind of just standing in the gym and, and uh, volleyball, I think, is like breaking down or something like that. One of the volleyball players, I forget her name, is on my trip. She's like, are you a recruit? And I said, yeah. And she said, have you ever been here for a game? And I said, no, because this is after the season. And she pointed, there's like a bench right in the, if, you, if you're if you facing away from the, the cow bench to the right, past the student section, all the way at the top, there's like a bench that's like a foot and a half long. It's broken up by the wall. She's like, people fight for that seat, just so you're there. <laughs> and I remember being like, wow, they did that. that's crazy. And they did. Yeah. And now every time I watch a game, this is true, every time I see a game, I see, are there people in that seat? I haven't seen someone in that seat in probably 12 years. Hmm. That's my that's my barometer. Get someone in that seat. Are we going to get them in the tiny seat this year? I have a feeling we might. We might. The Cal fans are just so hungry for, for wins. I can just see this team, if there starts to be success and consistent winning and really exciting play at the same time, I just think Haas is ready to explode. Man, I... I there's a step in between. I think the people who have been waiting for it to explode are ready to explode. Once the students reconnect, that's going to be a big part of it too for, for Mad Dog, and I don't know what that process looks like really. Once the students reconnect, yes, it will be rocking, but it might not come with just wins. Yeah. Well, we can always hope. Um, you know, I think if they put their best foot forward early, even against overmatched teams it'll make a nice statement and people will probably just be come out out of curiosity to see what's winning basketball look like after seven years away away from having a winning program um, we, we can always hope but i have a feeling we're we're going to see some quick excitement in haas it may take a little bit to sell it out but i don't think you need to sell it out to have a lot of energy in there that's true how do you feel about it you know, I, I look at the pieces that he's putting together and the versatility that's uh, really a, a big part of this group that's coming in, and and I can't help but be really excited about what they can do. And I think the biggest thing for me is just the, the perimeter scoring ability with virtually everybody. And for everything I hear about Madsen's offense, his spacing is great. And all the players talk about how the offense flows and it's a pro style that'll get them ready for the next level, whatever that might be. And when you combine those elements and then you've got Fardars underneath the, the hoop um, that is uh, a guy that just loves to mix it up and bang and, and score and rebound. I just, I love the combo that, that they're building. So I'm, I'm super excited to, to see a practice or two before the season gets started and to, to just see them lace it up for the, the first game in, in uh, November, early November, whenever it starts. It, it's going to be really exciting. Yeah, I, I love everything you just said, and I, I agree. Um, and, and weirdly, you know, to, to add to that, because it's not a but, you know, besides filling up that, that seat, my other barometer when I really know that things are okay is when I do go for a, a practice and it just feels, I mean, I want it to feel intense and all that, but light, like people want to be there. 
Yeah, I didn't put that in the article, but it, it felt weird when I was there last, you know, in, in October. It was like, it's like everybody knew a secret that they didn't want to share with somebody else. <laughs> and, like, and, and, and I meant that like top to bottom, like everybody in the gym from the trainers to the, to the staff, to the person taking stats, it felt somber. And, you know, there's a week or two before the first game. I've never been on a winning team where you have that energy before the first game. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, Mark Fox had a way of draining the energy out of a lot of people, and um, it just, but it just devolved to the point in this last season where it was completely untenable from really start to finish. And you know something that's absolutely nuts: we um, have covered cow basketball very closely for decades and we've always had a great relationships with the staffs that have been here we did not talk to a single assistant coach once in four years under fox once Why? once that's the type of fanatical control he had over the program we had access to nothing but post-game interviews and maybe um a preseason interview with fox himself and that was it did he say why? Did he ever give a reason? Uh, we always had to go through the sports information director, and there never really is a reason when you're going through uh, somebody right. else. Uh, but it was about control, and that's not uh, that's not a very friendly way to run a program, and I think we'll see the exact opposite of that under under Mark Madsen. Well, that's kind of, that's that's a hard part about college basketball is that Kind of, just, I mean, it is all control, control really. If you want to get philosophical, now the 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 NIL stuff and everything and the way it's changing has changed that, and I think a lot of coaches have struggled. And there's very clearly coaches that did better before NIL and after, because before you could control everything top to bottom, and no one would cry foul, and you could hide your mistakes, and you could. You could be shitty, you could be, you could be whatever you wanted to be, but it would be under wraps, kind of, you know, like, and I'm not saying Ben Brown ran his program like that, but, you know, the media stuff was very much controlled, uh, in a confusing way as a player at the time, like, now I kind of get it, like, you know, he was trying to, but still, you know, if I said, I remember one time I said something like, uh, between me Leon and Devon were going to have one of the best front courts in the country or something. And then uh, I had to call Andy Katz back and retract <laughs> that and say, uh, <laughs> and say that, you know, and include like, oh, and, and don't forget, you know, Jordan Wilkes <laughs> and uh, Jordy Jelly. And, 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 it, and it's like, I, I really do get it. Like what he was trying to maybe instill in me and keep the team together is hey, you're just as important as your worst player. Doing that via call back Andy Katz, embarrass yourself, change yeah. the quote, make them not want to work with us. That's control, and that's more coming from a place of fear than culture building, in my opinion. Yeah, well, so. you know, Braun was a unique cat. <laughs> he was not your typical, typical head coach either. I mean, he had plenty of success here. But, uh, yeah, being, being a writer for Baron Sider, believe me, I, I heard some stuff here and there, too, like, why are you even paying that close of attention to what I'm saying? Focus on your team kind of stuff. But I, I know what you mean there. And there was, there was definitely a, a, a 
big eye on PR under his staff as well, but this is a whole different level. I mean, I've never seen anything like it, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know from the other side, right? It was, it, it was funny, but it's like, again, I don't know. I, I play for so many coaches now. Everyone has their goals, right? I think if, if you were to interview Ben Braun about that, he'd probably explain it really well. Like, hey, you know, we were trying to teach this, this, and this. In this way, Rod was, you know, upsetting Matt in this way, in this way, in this way. And that's, it would be all reasonable. The difference is the best coaches kind of make it reasonable for everyone at all times. And it's very difficult. That's why I would never want to be a coach. Yeah. Just knowing the game is just a small part of it. Like, all of these little strings that people try to pull. And we kind of make fun of them when, when something goes wrong. Like, like that. Like, yeah, you made him call back Andy Katz. Like, yeah, you're not realizing what kind of kind of strings I'm trying to pull. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, got to give him a little leeway there, and whatever works works. But I, I really try to take a step back and look at the bigger picture. Like, is the culture shifting in the way that is positive, without being like, you made this choice, you made this choice, that's bad. Like, what are you doing? Because I also think if you treat coaches that way, they do respond better as well. Yeah. I remember one time when um, coaches were trying to uh, compete against Braun in recruiting by um, insinuating that he was on the hot seat before he really was. And and I was interviewing Patrick Christopher, and you know I, I made it a point to put out there that the hot seat stuff at that point was BS, and we talked about it in the interview, and then. You know, we get a call from him like, what are you doing planting the seed that I'm on the hot seat? No, it was the exact opposite. <laughs> so I know what you're talking about. But, uh, you know, talking about the the tone that a head coach sets, I mean, Madsen seems chronically positive. So I just cannot imagine that he's not going to. He's not going to set a very positive tone in the environment with both the players and everybody surrounding the program. So. I don't. I don't think there's really a high chance of that being an issue with him. But we'll see how things shake out. We haven't had the chance to to sit down with him and his staff yet. But that that'll be coming soon when this portal madness ends up. Uh, we've got one more person to to come in through the portal, and everybody's really interested to see who that'll be in the next week or two. And then we'll probably get down to business with with him and his guys soon too. And we're all looking forward to that. But, uh, hey, we're really happy to have you on board. I know Cal fans are looking forward to hearing your take on things and uh, hearing, seeing you and Eddie on uh, some of our video podcasts coming up. And uh, that'll, be, that'll be a lot of fun to have you guys back in the fold with Cal basketball and, and keeping things interesting for, for Baron Cider fans. Yeah, yeah. I'll take this opportunity to say that, you know, it's an honor uh, to have worked back into this community and to like feel it. But but I gotta say, and I you know talking with you, talking with Eddie, talking with a few people, you guys. I gotta say this: you guys are much more upset than I am. Off top, I have not been paying as close of attention. I'm coming in with kind of an open mind, so don't get mad at me if I don't remember. <laughs> hmm. What the hiring process was in 2009, I wasn't paying attention. You're going to talk about what's happening now. We're dialed into the minutia, so we're not <laughs> expecting that of you, believe me. We're impressed that you've even been paying attention the most recent years. <laughs> but uh, great to talk with you again, Rod, and we're looking forward to some great content coming up real soon.
Yes, indeed. Thank you very much.